0: Well, our sermon text is Galatians 5, 22 through 23. That's on page 1155 of your Sanctuary Bible. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Let's see here. There we go. <clears throat> and uh, before I read that, I'd like to just say a few words about what we're going to be looking at together this morning. The overall theme is that the Spirit can do for us What we cannot do for ourselves, and having just read that passage from 1 Corinthians, you could also say the Spirit helps us to understand things that we cannot understand in our own wisdom. Did you all catch that? Wasn't that great news? This idea that there's this wisdom that comes from God's Spirit that is actually inaccessible, unavailable, sadly, to those who do not yet have the Spirit. But there's the hope that they may yet receive the Spirit, by becoming followers of Jesus, and then tap into this spiritual wisdom that God has. And without the Spirit, though, they do not have it. They have human wisdom. They have human understanding. Paul says all of that is coming to nothing, which is frightening if you have really invested in human wisdom and human understanding. But the Spirit does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And I want to tell you, Um, just a very short story about something that I started understanding when I was a kid and I'm still understanding it now and I think it's an example of how there's this wisdom that you just don't get until God sort of reveals it to you by the spirit and and I've always been a person who I don't know if I saw somebody hurting or if I saw somebody sad there's this part of me that would kind of go out to them and I would kind of worry about them and I And there was this little part of me that would hope to fix them, okay? (laughs) And if you're a fixer of other people, you might understand that this can be a frustrating endeavor, right? Good luck, good luck with that, you know, trying to fix other people's stuff, taking other people's inventory. And somewhere along the line, my parents were always very honest with me, and we, we found out that there was some family friend that was having trouble in their family, and I was asking more questions about it, and my father said, well, he's an alcoholic. And I, you know, like a, I'm like a nine-year-old kid. I'm like, what's an alcoholic? What is that? We, that was a new word for me. And so my parents explained, they can't stop drinking. They drink, they can't, they make bad choices. They, you know, it just destroys their family. And, and the fixer in me said, well, what if we just take their alcohol away from them, right? Isn't that like Just go to their house and say, we're going to take all your booze and we're going to pour it down the toilet and then you can't buy any more alcohol. Problem solved. We just fixed that one. You know, right? We got that off the list. And and my father, you know, he said, you know, it seems like that's a good idea. It really does seem like that's a good idea. He said, but that doesn't work. That doesn't fix the problem because the problem isn't really alcohol or even access. To alcohol, it's something else. As a nine year old, I was like, That doesn't make any sense. What just let's just go to his house and you know, pour all his booze down the toilet. We're we'll, you know. So, later in life, as you get older, right, and the spirit does reveal things to you, you realize what I just said alcohol is not the problem, access to alcohol is not a problem. Take that person and put them on a desert island where they can only eat fish and coconuts for all their life and you think you've solved their problem, but no, they're still an alcoholic, and if they get rescued 20 years later and they get pulled on board this giant ship, the first thing they're gonna say is, where's the bar? Because they're still an alcoholic all these 20 years later. They haven't dealt with that issue deep underneath, which is could be many things. It could be anxiety, it could be fear, it could be uh, all sorts of unresolved problems that they're medicating with alcohol or drugs or gambling or anything. So those things are not the issue. The issue is deeper within. And that's a spiritual truth that yet this world doesn't quite understand. There's somebody named Bill W., who was a Christian, who started Alcoholics Anonymous, and he was beginning to tap into this wisdom that the Apostle Paul talks about, that only from God and only from the Spirit do we truly discern what things are spiritual truths are spiritually discerned and so the answer to alcoholism and the answer to all sorts of other things that you may want to fix in other people is that they have to fix it themselves for one thing you can't do for them what they they have to do for themselves and also that the spirit can only do things for us that we are incapable of doing ourselves. And so I'd like to read to you from Galatians 5, and 23. It's a well-known passage. It's about the fruits of the Spirit. And this is both good news and bad news. And I'll get into why it's both good news and bad news. It's obvious why it's good news. But here's how it goes. Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Praise God for that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And we ask for your blessing to be put into it and go out from it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, here's a spiritual truth that I think is going to be very valuable for us to understand. And it really is along the lines of what I was saying earlier that there there are things that the Spirit can do for us that we cannot do for ourselves. And here's a list of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, you should have this one memorized, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness self-control. Against such things there is no law. Praise God for that. Now I want to kind of push that a little further and submit to you that actually you really can't have these things unless you have the Spirit of God, okay? Now, some of you may be going, now, wait a second. I can be patient without the Holy Spirit. And, and in fact, you know people in your life who do not have the Holy Spirit. They have not been born again. They have not received what God is promising them yet. And you know them. And you could say, well, I know Joe." And he has the patience of Job, right? You know, you know some patient people. You know some kind people. You know some loving people, okay? They can exhibit kindness, patience, joy, all those things. But in actuality, none of those things, because they're not, that their source of those things is not in the Spirit, those things are not oriented towards God because they themselves are not oriented towards God. And those are short-term things. They are not long-term sort of features of those people's lives. And and you may differ with me, and that's okay. We can disagree on this. But this is the idea, is that the fruits that come from the Spirit are all these things. And without the Spirit, you cannot have them in a sustainable way. So one example is, without the Spirit, a plate of cookies will come in front of my face, and I'll go, I'm going to turn those down. Today, but I'm not going to be able to turn them down forever, because only the Spirit would actually help me turn down cookies. Now, you could separate. Now, there's a chance for me to dish out some juicy gossip, and in a moment, I might say to myself, "I'm going to hold my tongue on that one," because you know I don't need to be doing that today. But without the Spirit, I am going to do it tomorrow. So the Spirit enables a lifetime reorientation of ourselves towards God so that, in general, on net, we become the people who exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. People who do not have the Spirit cannot do that in the same way, and that sounds exclusive. That's the bad news of it. That's what I was saying, that some of this is bad news, is that the world without the Spirit is a broken, horrible place that cannot reliably love, or be patient, or be kind, or any of those things. And I think that's true, just look at the world. I mean, just look at the world, there's our proof. The world without the Spirit is broken and is destroying itself. The, the invitation to us then is that we want and desperately desire all people to come to know the fruits of the Spirit that are described here by them coming to know Jesus as their Savior. That is the answer to the problems that this world has, is that Jesus might become their Savior so that they might inherit not only the fruits of the Spirit, but be given spiritual wisdom and spiritual discernment and base their lives on the spiritual wisdom that comes from God and not on human wisdom, which again, as the Apostle Paul says, is coming to nothing. All right. So I want to tell you um, a little bit, a story that came to me when I was a pastor in Iowa. I was living in South Dakota at the time, though. Uh, But I I lived in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And um, this is a bit of a political story, but I think that's great, is that the... the, the and I'm gonna name names. Okay, so the Republicans in the state legislature were having a, a budget crunch. And the choice was we could raise property taxes, which is always unpopular. Whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you don't wanna raise taxes, do you? Because, ooh, boo, who, hates, who likes that? So we could either raise taxes to get this revenue that the state needs to run itself, or we could allow places like 7-Eleven, and other storefronts all across the state to install basically slot machines in the stores. So because you know, states hate it when everybody travels to Las Vegas and loses all their money there and comes back with nothing, that's bad for, that's bad for South Dakota's taxes. So they're like, let's capture all the money that's going to Las Vegas. And let's just basically have a casino on every corner of every street of South Dakota. And we'll tax that. And so it's kind of a deal with the devil, wasn't it? It's was like, oh, this was a mistake. Or was it? You know? But, you know, w- we love gambling more than we hate taxes. So they said, let the casinos spring up. And they weren't casinos. There was a limit. You know, they thought if they said, well, you can only have two machines in each 7-Eleven. Then we're not going to have the problems that Las Vegas has. This is just human wisdom. Human wisdom is is coming to nothing. Do you know how many gambling addicts this produced overnight in South Dakota? There was a woman in the church that I served. Her husband went from bank to bank to bank, every bank he could find, and he opened an unsecured line of credit at each and every one of them and he took as much cash out of those as he could. And he went to these ridiculous storefront casinos and he blew it all in no time. And, you know, they lost their farm. They had two kids. The mom had to finally divorce him and go on public assistance just to separate himself from all of his debt that he had. But, you know, you accrue debt as a married person, the other spouse is responsible for half of it. That's just the law, right? If you're, in, if you're entitled to half the assets, you're entitled to half the debts, it's crazy. So here he spends all this money and with nothing to show for it, nothing. Because the house wins all the time, right? So it destroyed this family. And he had to sell his, he had to sell his farm, and, and selling a farm is a big deal in, in farm country. To lose a family farm, that's like, oh. And the only thing he didn't want to part with was his collection of antique cars. That couldn't be touched, you know. And so I saw I saw my town and even people in my church getting torn apart by these casinos, right? And so that was a problem in in the state of South Dakota. And so uh, some very well-meaning, but here's the rest of the story, you know, like this is Paul Harvey, here's the rest of the story, is that some Christians decided out of the goodness of their heart that they were going to oppose casinos and they were gonna it's kind of like prohibition movement right way back when they're like we gotta stop alcohol it's just like let's put the people on a desert island with no alcohol so the christians said let's now let's pass a law that gets rid of all these casinos because they're obviously very bad for us and they're destroying families and they're endangering children and all of that was true right but yet here we have christians who are proposing legislation at the state capitol they're backing candidates who are going to get rid of the casinos And I get that, right I could see I could see just regular people doing that saying this is a problem this is a public health issue this is a public this is a public issue but it was the Christians who were doing it. you know what I mean? And there's this this sense that they were going to now that the casinos you know Pandora's box had been opened, now the casinos were here, the Christians were going to try to put the lid back on that box again. And that's a problem. And listen to me, because it's happening all over again, all the time. And that's just one microcosm, that's South Dakota, is that we have Christians who want to control what everybody else is experiencing. And they want to coerce other people by getting a candidate elected, by passing a certain legislation. They're worried about the Supreme Court. And that's human wisdom. They want other people... To have the fruits of the spirit but they want to legislate them into it. Does that make sense? I'm I'm going to make this clear to us, right? I want you to stop drinking. I want you to stop gambling. So I'm going to get rid of alcohol or I'm going to get rid of casinos. But it doesn't really address the problem. The problem is further in and it's a problem that can only be solved by the spirit. The spirit can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. It will orient us towards God. And it didn't happen for this man in my church, and I left, the church, I, I left the church to move to California, so I don't know the rest of that story, but my prayer for that family was that the father would eventually bottom out and turn around and have a movement of the spirit and give up gambling and give up drinking and, and try to get his family back. You know, that's the hope. That's the hope. But passing a law to get rid of casinos was not going to help that family. And it wasn't going to help him not be a gambling addict anymore. He was going to find another way to keep gambling, even if you closed all the casinos. So human wisdom is let's just just push people around with legislation and, and make a society that looks like we think it should look. That's coming to nothing. God's wisdom is that we reach each person in their heart. We orient them to God and the Spirit takes over and the Spirit gives us abundance of fruits and gifts that turn us into people who don't really want to gamble all that much and who don't really want to drink all that much. Maybe a little bit, but it's not something that's going to to endanger our lives to that degree because there's freedom. The Spirit will lead us to that place of wisdom, a spiritual wisdom that's spiritually discerned that the rest of the world can't understand yet, but our goal is that the world should. And now I wanna ask us, because this is about how we orient ourselves to the world around us. How do we as Christians then engage questions like this? There's, There's not a casino problem here in Mountain View in Los Altos that I'm aware of. It's not like that, but there's other problems. And we have seen some national sort of races recently. I wanna talk about what happened in Alabama in December, right? we had Christians who were backing a candidate named Roy Moore, okay? And you may have liked Roy Moore, and you may have not liked Roy Moore. And as Covenanters, we can disagree with each other whether or not Roy Moore was a great guy, and we can disagree with each other about how we vote. But the reality is that there were some credible accusations that he was a pedophile. And you can believe them or not, that's up to you. But what really got me was that there were some Christians who said even if he is a pedophile, even if he is a pedophile. We need him in the Senate so that he can help pick the next Supreme Court justice or help pass tax reform. Is tax reform more (laughs) important (laughs) than the rest of the world seeing that Christians are in favor of a credibly accused pedophile? What does that do to the proclamation of the gospel? Just think about it. God's power is so much greater than ours we don't really need to elect anyone to anything as christians we don't really need to pass any propositions or ballot measures or initiatives as christians we need to bring people to jesus and when they come to jesus the spirit will reveal to them how to vote it's not our business i can't reach into your life and tell you how to vote i i I wouldn't And even if I tried, I would fail. I'm not very persuasive. Even if I was incredibly persuasive, I would fail because you're your own person and you don't like anyone telling you how to vote. It's pointless, isn't it? Only the Spirit can move us, change us, and orient us towards God so that we make different choices because they're spiritually informed and spiritually discerned. And we can divide, we can divide. And actually, I could actually think That the spirit may tell one family to vote one way and one family to vote another way, and it's still the same spirit because the people are different and they have different challenges and different interests. I don't have a problem with that. But what I do have a problem with is when people see that Christians are trying to manage other people's lives. And they go, oh, I don't... Please keep your religion out of my life out of my bedroom out of my you know what you know anything because that doesn't help them see the gospel for what it is this message of peace and love and acceptance and grace and really again i'm going to say it again is that when they become followers of jesus they start making the right decisions that we don't have to worry about and it frees us from worrying about them making choices and so you know my father was right all those years ago. You can't take the alcohol away from the alcoholic and he'll, he'll still be an alcoholic. Something deeper within is going on and only the spirit can change that in them. And so, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's just something that's been on my mind a lot lately, but I, I think we see it again. Oh, I'm going to have to put my glasses on. If we go back to, f- to 1 Corinthians 2, I've been talking a lot about the second part of that. But really what Paul says in the beginning is all related to it. He says this, I came to you, brothers. I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul didn't add anything to his message. He didn't say, I came to you with Jesus and let's get rid of the casinos. He didn't do that. I came to you with Jesus. Once you have Jesus, you'll figure out what to do with your casinos. You'll figure it out. The Spirit will guide you in that. It will be okay. I come to you with Jesus. That's all I've got. I proclaim Jesus to you so that you may receive the Spirit of God and his wisdom and his fruits in your life. And what joy that is. That there's this freedom now. I don't have to... uh, Whatever it is inside me as a nine-year-old that wants to fix other people... I can go out behind my house and dig a six foot hole and I can drop that nine year old that part of the nine year old right in there and I can cover it up again because I'm done. I don't need to fix you. That even though that maybe have come from a genuine place of concern and care for other people the spiritual wisdom now is that the spirit will fix you when you orient yourself towards God. That's the power that we're dealing with and so I now have freedom to both put that kid in the grave please don't record this that sounds very bad Uh, like cut the recording at that spot and zip over to the end of it put that other person I went okay we'll just leave the grave Uh, so I'm free from that compulsion to tell you to get rid of your casino to go to your house and pour your liquor down your toilet I don't need to do that My job and your job is to tell you about Jesus. I came to you, I resolved to preach nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm getting tingles right now just saying that. That's the ultimate freedom that you have as Christians is that all you have to do is show other people Jesus and I'm really upset with the Christians who are making it hard for other people to see Jesus. If they think I prefer a pedophile to not getting a tax bill passed, they cannot hear anything I say next. And believe me, it's ridiculous. I don't ha- I'm not going to give anyone my opinion on that. The Spirit will help them figure it out. So we have a real problem in this country because the word evangelical and the word Christian is synonymous with all a whole raft of things that it does not mean. But some, uh, you know, it's like a few bad eggs or a few bad apples. It's like we need to actually have a separate bag at some point. I hate to say it. We just have to have our own bag. I don't know what that looks like. We have to have our own bag of apples. And the bad apples can go in their own bag. And we have to give ourselves a new name. I don't know what it is. Because evangelical is gone. That word is gone. We're never going to reclaim it from the negative connotations it has in our society. We have to figure out a new one. I don't have any ideas right now. Let's make a list next week. You know, So we have to separate somehow. We have to decide that we care about the gospel. We care about Jesus coming into people's lives gifting them with the Holy Spirit so that they are transformed and oriented towards God and receiving the Spirit's wisdom and receiving the Spirit's fruit, which are the sustainable way of fixing their own lives. That's what we have to be about. And the other bag can, can endorse candidates from their pulpits left and right, and they can put signs out in front of their church telling you how to vote. That's not us. At least it's not me. I can't do it that way. I'm with the Apostle Paul. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I could could go on for another hour. I have another story. I'm not going to. Let's leave it at that. But let's actually rejoice in the beauty that when we're oriented towards God, the Spirit gives us gifts and fruit and wisdom and enables us to do things that we cannot do for ourselves. Amen.